This week at Macy's, find Valentine's Day gifts for all your loves, like fragrance gift sets they'll adore. Plus, take an extra 15% off with your coupon or Macy's card. On top of beautiful jewelry finds, now 35 to 70% off. And 25% off decadent chocolate from Godiva. Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift card services and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Progressive is America's number one motorcycle insurer, so we understand motorcycles. No, really, we have a bike translator. Uh, okay, this is awkward, but this bike says he'd appreciate it if you removed his skull pattern saddlebags. He feels self-conscious about them around all the other bikes, and he says you're not fooling anyone. You mostly ride with your golfing buddies. <laughs> Listen, I'm just the messenger here. Oh, no, I don't want to say that. I think you made yourself clear. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336, Next Generation of Baltimore Sports Talk. I am your endearingly stuttering host, Matt Sroka. As always, I'm joined by the zi- by the button lover, Josh Sroka. <laughs> That's awkward. No, I just, on, like, we to, just, had a I just whole... like to troll our, yeah. our coconuts out there a little bit. Oh, man. That... Forget questions coming in about Chris Davis and if he's real. The, right behind those are the questions of where's Burt Rohde? Yeah. No one cared about Bert when he was here. He disappears for six months and everyone's asking. No, everyone, I mean, Bert was the ultimate coconut. Uh, yeah. was like I'm going to refer to him in the past tense for now on. Bert was the ultimate coconut. No, right. pe- people love it, it, our it, show is missing zaniness uh, right. without Bert. So if you're wondering, Bert will be back uh, with Section 336 probably opening day. He'll, he'll be coming back. I think, you know, we okay. launched new... We launched new artwork this week, and it's just you and me, Matt. Mm. And I think that freaked everyone out. Mm. But Bert is in quarantine for the coronavirus. He's locked himself in the basement until it all passes. Well, the ironic thing is, Josh, you can record this podcast from the basement. So <laughs> as you and I, it sounds just like are, an excuse. As I am locked in my closet as we as we do the podcast. Uh, no, Bert just is taking a break. Yeah. So he'll be back occasionally. Yeah, I mean, we've been, we've been doing this thing for what, however many years um, without whatever, without without becoming rich, without making money off uh, it, just kind of doing this thing every week. And every now and then, yeah, you need a break from it. And it right, doesn't help right. that the team you're covering stinks too. Right. Uh, yeah, and that, that definitely helps. But yeah, Bert stuck with it for seven years, and he's taking a break. We'll see how much he comes back. And uh, think of him as your standard Oriole fan. You realize the Orioles suck. You stop going to games. You disappear. We'll see you in 2023. Yeah, I'm sure he can still be found at his local Costco if you're looking for him. No, but just set set. You can send him a tweet every now and then, and 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 tell him, uh, tell yeah. him to come back on the show. I mean, we 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 parted. We haven't parted. We're still brother-in-laws, right? So there's that factor. 
he's yeah. part of our family. Can't can't get rid, rid, rid can't get rid of him like that. Uh, but no, he's still he's still part part of section three 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 six, and he's welcome to come on whenever he wants to. Right, just taking some time, and uh, it's cool. We're gonna continue like the uh, diehard Oreo fans. I'll probably drop off at some point around twenty twenty two, and then Josh will be here by himself. So it's just I mean, uh, it's just how we roll. Think, think of this as just an extended summer vacation. Bert would always disappear in July, and he's still gone. He's at Pirates of the Caribbean or something. Right. So uh, he'll be back at another time. You know who else? You know who I spoke to today? Who'd you speak to? Another former 336er. Who's that? The world's worst intern. Oh, tough day for the intern today. Tough day. Nah, intern's pretty excited. Is he? So intern was working on, uh, how do you say, Amy Amy Klobuchar? Klobuchar, yeah. Klobuchar. He was working on her campaign, and uh, today, I guess she decided she's not going to run anymore. What's the term? Where you drop out of the race? I guess she just dropped out of the race. Yeah. So I texted him, see how it was going, and he was in good spirits. He's like, I'm tired of working for that lady anyway. So he 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 believes he is going to be on the Biden campaign shortly. Buttigieg and Klobuchar both are jumping ship to Biden. Yeah, which this is not a political show, but this is um, Take Down Bernie 2.0. <laughs> it is. is just it is Take Down Bernie, stuff, which is um, hilarious, and also like if I'm a Bernie supporter, I'm pretty ticked off right now. But right. from a guy who's not really invested in either candidate, I just find it a little bit funny. <laughs> it is. It's funny. It's funny to see the old man who's got the big lead that they're like, all right. We gotta we gotta bail out just to just we all to take join forces. Out. It's like yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like when the, the the Power Rangers all combine to do some kind of you know whatever the Power Rangers. That's a bad. I've never really seen the Power Rangers. It's like, or like when all of baseball comes together to say we're just gonna take down the Astros one beanball at a time. Yeah, exactly. Except Bernie Sanders, he didn't cheat or anything. He's just trying going out there trying to be president, uh, and the Astros are are cheaters. Um, but <laughs> yeah. No, we have we have a good show for you today. We're going to talk later. We got a guest to to guest Mark Simon, uh, who's uh, who's who's a, a stat geek, and I use that I mean that yeah. term in the best way. He's is in analytics. He's part of um, Bill James Sport. Bill James's uh, Sports uh, Info Solutions. Sports Info Solutions. Um, his the, business, what is it? Uh, the Defensive Almanac? No, Defensive Bible. Yeah, defensive bible. He's he's co-authored it, and um, yeah, he made a lot of innovations on the defensive run save yeah. stat. So we're going to ask him about defensive runs saved for the Orioles, right. and ask um, him about Alberto Hanser Alberto. I was going to yeah. say Alberto Hanser. Yeah, Hanser Alberto, it? because he his stats a little weird in this book. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about that as well. Um, Josh, uh, spring training updates. Are you are you on board with me on the Davis Express? You on board, Davis? Well, first of all, you were on the Hess Express, and last I, I time, on the Hess Express. What's the Davis one? Last time I saw Hess Hess Express had a, had a, had a bit of a glitch. Uh, his, his last start. Yeah, yeah. Don't, that's all right. We, it's spring training. Doesn't matter. Spring training stats don't matter. Yeah, when you yeah. Stop. But yeah. when you're awesome, when you yeah. when you can't strike out anymore, and all you do is hit home runs and walk, then I'm all on on the deputy. Yeah, Josh, we gotta talk about this Chris Davis thing. I can't even, I literally can't even watch a Chris Davis interview or even read the quotes from a Chris Davis interview because it's so, oh, it makes me cringe so much. I know what's happening and I just, 
every interview, he's still. I saw if you go to Ordos.com, yeah, right on their front page, you just scroll down a little bit, like midway through, there's an interview with Chris Davis, and they're talking about like his improvements and how he got back to form. He's played in like four spring training games, and people are acting like he's a comeback player of the year. And the and the problem is fans can flip out, media can flip out, that's all fine. Chris Davis, I think he believes it. And so now, I'm really nervous. This when isn't going to end well, Josh. When was the last time Chris Davis went one game without striking out? He's gone four. Okay. Like, he's got to celebrate this, and you got to believe the hype. And he's believing his own hype. And What's it's going to happen so... when Chris Davis goes 0 for 8? All right. Five strikeouts. Remember when we were kids and Mickey Tettleton believed all of his power came from Fruit Loops? And you had to just believe it. You took the boxes of Fruit Loops and you shook them around in the stadium and you had to just celebrate and buy in to Fruit Loops, give Mickey Kettleton power. Sorry, those 25 pounds of muscle that Davis has on and the nutrition of him eating healthy, you got to buy in, you got to believe it. It's a Think of how much we talk about this game is mentally. And we knew watching Chris Davis that mentally he was not there when he was going to the plate. Who cares if you think it's crap that it's nutrition? Mentally, he is in tune, he is confident, and it's working right now. Through a handful of spring training games. Josh, if this was was 2017 and he's coming off of one bad year, I would say, you know, you you might have a point here. He's been bad since 2016. I know. 2016, 17, 18, 19 – Four years of being one of the worst players in baseball, I'm, and you have a sample size of a handful of spring training games, and you're back on I'm, the, the. I'm Chris all Davis? in. I'm, I'm all in on Chris Davis for two reasons. He looks amazing. He looks like a younger Chris Davis, and two, I totally believe the nutrition thing, because I don't know you and you should be on board too, because I think your wife's into this stuff too, just like my wife, where what you eat. What your kids eat changes their attitude, changes how they feel throughout the day, changes their focus and their energy. And if you eat healthy, you it like changes your lifestyle. So I'm all in on if Davis's nutrition is better, he can focus better at the plate, and all that can help out. I'm all in on it. Oh my gosh, Josh! I wish you were you were a betting man so I could just steal all your money right now. There's no what are you way. Talking about? I, I am a betting man, just like you. We lost all our money on the Ravens. Yeah, and I haven't gotten back into the betting business. I retired from the betting uh, business. You throw out a Chris Davis bet, I'm all in. Oh, Josh, I will steal your money. I will, right, And you can even set the parameters. Over or under right, batting week. average of 250. Oh, over. Wait, okay. 250? 250. What was he last year? Like 162? Uh, Josh, he wished. How about 230? You give me 230, I'll go over 230. Done. He hasn't hit over right, 230 since 2015. Done. Yeah, I'll give it a 230. All right, what's the what's – the, uh, Home runs? The... So, I don't know. You oh. want to go bat average or you want to go home runs? No, it's both of them. We're going home runs too because he's a power hitter. All right, fine. Last fine. year uh, he had 12. The year before he had 16. The year before he had 26. All right, so what are you giving me this year? Home runs? Yeah. 230 bat and average. What's the, what's the over-under for home runs? Uh – Chris, you th- you think Chris Davis is back? I think Chris Davis is back. Okay, well, you think Chris Davis is back, and you're saying over you you want to go over under two thirty. If he hits two forty, Chris Davis is not back. By the way, but okay. 
Um, no, I, I'm no, I'm setting the limit at a reasonable limit because we're about to bet on it. Yeah. So that's uh, what, what, if, what if I said there. to you? What if I said to you, thirty home runs? Thirty home power runs. hitting. Yeah, weight room. I'm pumped up. I'm leading the spring right. training in home runs after five games. So, so uh, the bet is thirty home over. Runs. So the bet is over or under. I take the over. You take the under. Two thirty batting average. And thirty home runs. Yeah, I'll even make it twenty nine. So if he gets to thirty, that pretty thirty number, you win. I'm, Fine, I'm all in. Fine, okay. I'll take that bet. What's okay. the parameters? What are we betting here? I don't know. We'll have to think about this. I, I don't like doing right. any bets live on the air. We'll have to think right. about. Tweet it. us what what you think we should be betting on this. But I'm writing this down: two thirty slash twenty nine. That's our over under. Yeah. All right. And for all someone right. to win, you got to hit both those numbers. Yeah. Yeah, got to hit both those numbers. All right. All right. All right. I'm all in on that. We'll figure it out next week. Okay. Because trust I think me, you're going to want to lock this in early because you think it's going to fall apart in spring training. Yeah, I think he could retire by June. I think this could be – he could fall. I think it's, he is so excited now. I just hate to watch it because I love so it. Excited. Love it. He's love so it. like – he like thinks he's rejuvenated his career and he has eight official at-bats. <laughs> he like, could be – yeah. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I know because I know what happened the last four years. <laughs> I know. We'll see. We'll work this bet out. We'll set it all up next week. All right. Um, other news out of spring training, just if, if anyone cares, they did go through their first uh, series of cuts. Um, I think the there wasn't any anything no, notable except Bradley no, Rushman was not on the first cut list. Yeah. Don't you think that's just because they have so many pitchers? They need more catchers. Yeah, I do actually. And by cut, I just mean – I don't mean cut. That's a bad word. I mean reassigned. So Ryland Banning, Malquin Canelo, Zach Lothar, Mason McCoy, and and Alexander – not Alex. Alexander, Alexander Wells. Wells. Um, I was waiting for the first name change. So there it is. Alex went from Alex Alexander, first name right. change. Um, Alexander Wells uh, were all sent to minor league camp. Um, so no real big surprises there. I think we all expected um, those guys to start either at double-A AA or triple-A to start the season. Yep. Um, were you excited to see J.J. Hardy back in camp? Uh, not as, as much as Chris Davis was. I saw Chris Davis send out like his first tweet in three years, just a hug of him. <laughs> hugging. That's how you know Chris Davis is so excited too. Like Chris Davis is like tweeting again. Because he, 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 he can log on Twitter. For, like, four years. He's yeah, back he on Twitter because he thinks everything's exactly good again. Him. Oh my gosh, Chris. Oh Love it. man. Hey, friend of like, the show, I've resisted tweeting, uh, sending, sending Chris a private message. Yeah, telling him please. how much I love him. Okay. Yeah, please don't. Um, uh, other, I mean, again, when we talk about at bats, um, the most at bats anyone has on the team so far is Ryan Matkos at twenty, and Ryan Matkos, by the way, pretty impressive, batting three fifty, has seven hits and three doubles in those twenty at bats, along with a home run. Um, any chance if Ryan Matkos continues this and hits like three fifty to four hundred in spring yep. training, any any chance to consider bringing Ryan Matkos a lot? Yeah, completely. Really? He, you think he, he can he make the open-day roster? I think he has a great shot at making the open-day roster because I don't think they see him as a long-term play on this team. Ryan Mountcastle? I, I think Ryan Mountcastle is still a guy that they're not sure about position-wise, but if his bat can play, they're going to put him at, up there and, because why not bring him up this year when it doesn't matter and he can suck defensively and yeah. we can try him out in different positions. 
I think they're going to, at the very minimum, manipulate service time and hold them down till May. And I think, I don't know, like I'm not optimistic that they'll call him up in May unless he's tearing the cover off the ball. Because it seems like, and again, like I told you last week, one of the things to watch with this team is where they play people defensively. And it right. seems like they're, they're trying to make Ryan Mankow a left fielder. Um, and if his offense is good enough, then it's okay that he's not great in the outfield as long as he can be Trey Mancini okay. And so we'll see if he can do that. But I think they would prefer him to have some time playing left field every day before he's caught up. But if he continues to hit the cover off the ball, um, still like no walks, right? That's the whole other thing with Ryan yeah. Mankow. the man doesn't walk. So maybe I think they also want him to work on that. Um, maybe seeing more pitches and stuff, but man, I think Ryan Mountcastle has a a really bright future, and I'm I'm pumped about an an offense that includes Trey Mancini and Ryan Mountcastle and Austin. And Hayes. I think Taylor. when you look at July, we could have a pretty good offense. Sure, uh, yeah, you're right. Um, the other thing that that stuck out to me, um, as far as playing wise, I mean, I think maybe next week we can get into some of the utility battles because there is a utility battle. I want to see more at-bats, though. And same with, I know we're talking about we need a fourth and fifth starter, maybe even a third starter. But again, I want to see some more um, I want to see some more innings pitch before we get into kind of who's winning that contest. But I yeah. was impressed, just kind of first initial observations. I didn't realize Yusniel Diaz, my first impression was him, um, was seeing him um, at, at, in, in spring training um, last year and just um, connect on a ball and just crush it, right? He's got big arms and just has a sweet swing, and the ball flies off his bat. Um, In the game today, he had a triple, and the triple was not just like this lazy ball that, you know, landed in the gap. I mean, it was a line drive in the gap. And Yuzan Diaz, he flew around the bases, and he's a very fast baseball player. I mean, he's not a great at stealing bases. He only had 12 last year and got caught, I think, something like 13 times. But he is fast. So using Diaz, I didn't realize how fast he was. So that kind of has me excited, too, about um, if he can, you know, if he can hit as well as we think he can. He's a former top 100 prospect guy, right? He's a big guy we got back from Manny Machado. He's going to start in AAA. If he can stay healthy and kind of, um, you know, start to hit the ball, I think it could be a really good – um, defensive and just all around, you know, baseball player for this team. So using Diaz, I mean, he's also one of those guys, though. Like for me, he reeks of like Jeffrey Hammonds type thing. Like seems to have all the tools, um, can hit, can hit for a little bit of power, fast, good arm, but can he stay healthy? So that's that's my only concern with using Diaz. But I'm I'm pretty excited about him too. Um, an outfield with him and Austin Hayes. Throw Ryan Mountcastle in there. Move Trey Mancini to first base when you move Chris Davis to the bench. I'm excited about that. Yeah, except for the Chris Davis to the bench. I mean, <laughs> glad that why, would you wanna, why would you want to putt such a guy <laughs> who's just crushing the ball yeah. and uh, have a comeback story of the year, and you're going to put him on your bench? Yeah, um, big in there. Anything – have you learned anything from the Orioles pitching this spring training? Like, I know they said Cobb went out and pitched some simulated innings and looked good, but that's simulated. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I guess as far as this, with 
the 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 thing you don't want, and we saw we see this happen with the Yankees with Severino and stuff, is um, injury. You just want to avoid injuries. And so I thought Means has looked fine. He looks healthy. I think that's the most important part. Um, you mentioned um, Cobb, and Cobb had that uh, one appearance, I think, for one inning, and then he had the flu, so he has to stop right. pitching a simulating game. So he looks fine. I mean, it's tough because no one's pitched more than, like, two outings. So no one's pitched more than four or five innings. Right. So like- it's tough to draw any conclusion based on five innings. But yeah. there doesn't seem to be any major injuries with our pitchers um, besides small minor stuff like blisters and flus. Right. So, no arm issues. Yeah, yeah no like we issues. saw we saw Wojo today go three innings, and he looked pretty good. Saw Hunter Harvey, and the fastball was working. So it's like – Yeah, Hunter Harvey looked good. Yeah, and so all these guys look, look healthy. Right. Um, and look fine. But nothing yeah. that helps us figure out the rotation. Yeah, like there's no one going in there throwing 99 that we didn't think that we thought could only throw 90, not, not, not 92. Like everyone's, you know, they are who we thought they were so far. Um, yep. And everyone's kind of stayed healthy. So we'll see. Like I said, I, you can't, I don't think you can draw any conclusions about who's going to get the fourth or fifth spot after five innings or four innings. So we'll revisit this in a couple weeks because right. you we get got- to the point now, the first start you throw two innings, right? Then the next start you might throw three innings. And then, well, like they got yeah. they got to start dumping pitchers so that so that there's more room for pitchers. It's hard to to look at them all right now and get them all into place. So we we've got three weeks left of spring training. So today we saw those couple cuts. I think you're going to start see give it by the end of this week. You're going to see a larger cut, and then they're going to start coming fast. Yeah, I mean today I was, I was listening to two of the game on the radio, um, and. It ended up in a, in, a, in a tie, and we had Shepard who was ready to go on our uh, our bullpen, but they just stopped it as a tie. So three, right? Three, three yeah, because the Rays used a ton of pitchers today. Well, yeah, I think the, our our announcers. I don't know how much to trust Jeff Arnold at this point because I don't know Jeff Arnold like that. But Jeff Arnold said they, that they saw a pitcher too. Okay, all right. I don't know. Uh, spring training is always weird on when they decide to tie or not. I thought today's radio game was supposed to be the the new girl broadcasting. Yeah, she was uh, alongside Jeff Arnold. Okay. All right. How'd that combo sound? Uh, it sounded really good, actually. Okay. It'll yeah, be interesting. Good, good, good for, for, a for a girl? Is that what you're going to say? No, no. I was going to say uh, for their first, from hearing them for their first time. Gotcha. Um, I've never heard Jeff Arnold before really call, call a game like that. Um, and and what is her name, Josh? I, can, can we mention her name? What's her name? Yeah, yeah, we can mention her name. I just don't know it off the top of my head. And right. now you're going yeah. I don't I don't have the or the problem is the Orioles broadcast team is like thirty five people. Did you see they added Brett Hollander uh this week as well? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was, yeah, he, Melanie was he was interviewed, was I guess, in today's game. And he's like the exciting thing about um the excite the exciting thing about this opportunity is I'm going to be doing a lot of stuff. I'm going to be um, calling games. Like I'm going to be a sideline reporter. I'm going to be doing the post game stuff. So it sounds like nobody knows what anyone's doing. Right. Like I feel like the Orioles just need to launch their own podcast network because they have 50 hosts. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's an interest. And like none of them have a, a set plan uh, by, by the name. Her, by the way, I'm sorry. Her name is Melanie, Melanie. Newman. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and she became becomes the first woman to call Orioles play by play. So that, that's that's a really cool thing. And yeah, she sounded. And again, I didn't listen to the whole game. But I listened to some of it. Um, and I, I thought Jeff Arnold and her did, did a really good job. And um, like they said, we now have a four game. Um, what can we say? Not a winning streak, but a four game unbeaten streak. Can we say that? I mean, you can say whatever you want. Because we won yeah. three in a row and then we tied one. Okay, sure. A yeah, sure. A a loss, like no loss. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you would call that. Yeah, well, we haven't been beaten, uh, you know, four games. Right. Yeah. Um, I did see, I did see the Orioles tried to put out on their Twitter today, like the stats of what they've done and like. 39 runs, 59 hits in like four games or something. You yeah, see that yeah. post that the Orioles did? No, but and, they've been really good offensively recently. Yeah. yeah. The, Ray, the Rays commented on their posts saying the games don't count. Yeah. They're, 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 they're not wrong. Right. Um, they're not wrong, but let's enjoy what we can. Yeah. We're, yeah. It's exactly right. We'll, we'll take what we can get. I thought the just Orioles Twitter – um, they're, they're coming out with a lot of videos too. And I thought they've been really good about their video content too. This is, I think the best Orioles Twitter has been for spring training ever. Yeah. I'll take so that. I'm not ready yeah. to say Chris Davis is back, but I'm ready to say Orioles Twitter is back. Yeah. And it's nice to see stuff. That's not just this guy looks fat. Yeah. Though I did see that the Cubs, I don't know who did this, but Chris, um, no, Anthony Rizzo was mic'd up talking as he was hitting and he was like i bet he's gonna throw me a fastball here the guy threw him a fastball and he hit it i want to right. see our guys mic'd up i want chris i love mic'd mic'd up. up. i want everybody mic'd up just chris davis all right well chris davis i would take chris davis mic'd up i want everyone I know what he's up. thinking when he's up there yeah he's he's thinking i'm gonna crush this ball yeah well, so. uh, are you ready to get to this interview yeah let's get let's uh we got to get this commercial in. Let's take the commercial and we'll come right back with uh, Mark. All right, let's do it. Hey guys, we'll get back to some O's talk in just a moment. But I want to talk to you about Podcorn. They're sponsoring this episode. As you guys know, I work with a lot of Baltimore sports podcasts through my little company, Birdland Sports. We work with Section 336, Film Study, uh, and a whole lot more that are coming out this season as well. But Podcorn is this amazing thing. If you're doing a podcast, you got to check out Podcorn.com. You've heard me talk about it before, and I want to share just a little bit more about it. Podcorn is a marketplace to connect podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities. For such as host-read ads like this or interview segments, topical discussions that may fit with your uh, fans, and more. With Podcorn, there's no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can borrow and choose opportunities right on the platform with their own rates. They collaborate with fans directly, so you find just the right deals you want to advertise for, not uh, Audible, not random podcast uh, ads that you've never heard of. These are brands that you are going to be interested in, that your listeners are going to be interested in. You choose who advertises on your show. So click the link in my show notes to get started and sign up for Podcorn. Get online, start browsing your sponsorship opportunities. Let's get back to some Orioles talk and get ready for opening day. All right, we're back with a special interview. Uh, welcome to the show now is Mark Simon, 
who is from Sports Info Solution. If you haven't heard of them, they came up with the whole stat of defensive runs saved. So it's another stat to add in with all these analytics and a great time to look at the Orioles as you're going to watch for something this season. And if you look up defensive uh, runs saved for the past few years, the Orioles have been setting records for being so bad <laughs> and how bad they are. So, Mark, welcome to, the, to Section 336. Hi, thanks for having me. Good to hear an, an Orioles podcast. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a couple of them out there. And uh, glad, that, glad that you're here. This is yeah. the best one. Yeah, we are the best. Um, Josh, thank you for introducing Mark. I'll take it over from here. Josh, sit back, relax. Mark, first of all, um, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? And I, I know you're with Sports Info Solution, but what's a little bit about your background and how you got into the analytics and stuff like that? Sure. Uh, I, before I was at Sports Info Solutions, uh, which is based in uh, northeastern Pennsylvania, I worked uh, in two places. One is uh, for the Trenton Times newspaper in Trenton, New Jersey. I was a reporter there for six and a half years covering all sorts of uh, sports. Uh, from there, I moved on to ESPN. I worked at ESPN for 15 years with the Stats and Information Group, uh, which is the people that work behind the scenes. If you watched Stump the Schwab, Howie Schwab, mm, uh, sure. one of us, uh, Chris Felica, who's the bear, uh, who shows up on a lot of the different uh, ESPN shows, including College Game Day. Uh, these are the people that are helping out the talent and the production crew with all of the information that you see on the show. And I worked on Baseball Tonight for nine years. And during that time, I was there in a transition period from where I think ESPN went from shows that did a lot with fun facts and tidbits and historical-based stats to things that are more analytic in nature. Mm -hmm. and when I was working on Baseball Tonight within the Stats and Information group, I was kind of asked to lead the charge on that with uh, other people in my group doing that for their respective shows. Uh, fortunately, I had a background in that from when I was a kid. Um, my parents used to buy me because I was good at math and because I couldn't play sports. Uh, they used to buy me a lot of books. And one of the books they bought me was the Bill James Baseball Abstract, mm. which is kind of uh, the precursor to Moneyball and all of the things that followed there. Uh, and I got into that stuff then. It rekindled in me uh, in my time at, on Baseball Tonight. I was the person who was explaining the uh, defensive stats to Aaron Boone and to the, uh, the other uh, members of the Baseball Tonight on-air team, uh, which was pretty cool to do. Uh, from there, you might have noticed ESPN's baseball coverage kind of declined a little bit uh, in terms of volume. Uh, I like working in baseball. I like working on baseball. Uh, so I made the transition to work for this company, which had worked with ESPN on baseball in the past. Sports Info Solutions, they service uh, more than two-thirds of the major league teams uh, and a few NFL teams as well with analytic data and analytic tools that allow them to make better decisions for game strategy, and for player personnel decisions. Uh, and one of the stats that we invented was defensive run save. Uh, we are also people who were at the forefront of the shifts uh, movement, which uh, our company is owned by John Dewan, uh, who is a pioneer in the sports statistics field. He used to own Stats, Inc. Um, and he has written four of the Fielding Bibles. Uh, and now we have a fifth. Fielding Bible, Volume 5, you see it in reverse there. Uh, it is out now, uh, and I'm happy to talk about it with you guys and uh, talk some Orioles baseball as well. It's kind of, I guess, that's the path that got me to this point. Right. So the Field and Bible Volume 5 is up on Amazon now. It's on back order until March 13th. 
So you might want to hop on there and order it now in order to get it before opening day. You can also go to actasports.com. That's the publisher. Uh, it'll probably cost you a similar amount. Uh, it's worth checking out. Just to, to kind of set the tone here, this is a baseball book that I really feel is for everyone. Uh, you can be a hardcore, super intense analytics uh, I don't want to say nerd because I, I think that's disparaging, but you can be hardcore super into analytics uh, and baseball statistics and get something out of the book. You can be a baseball fan who just likes to watch and wants to learn more about defense and get something out of the book. There are player interviews. There's uh, notes on fun facts on every team. Uh, there's deep dives into the analytic data. We compare Matt Chapman and Nolan Arenado. We compare the shortstops to try and figure out who the best one is. Uh, there's lots of good stuff in there, and I hope people will give it a chance. All right. Maybe uh, Buck Showalter should pick this up and learn learn a little bit about the new school baseball techniques. I, so I worked with Buck. Uh, I worked with Buck and uh, Baseball Tonight when he was at ESPN. And I will say this. I can't imagine someone who was more prepared uh, at the time uh, in, I guess, the prime of his managerial career. Um it doesn't surprise me that I suppose that you guys have some resistance to him, um, but there's no one who knows the rule book better. I will tell you that. Uh, and he is amazing in terms of retention of information. And I think, I think he's more open-minded than maybe you guys might give him credit for, but I'm not, that's not something I want to. No, there's, there's still lots of love for Buck in Baltimore. As long as you don't bring up Zach Britton in the bullpen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'd be hard pressed to find someone in Baltimore who doesn't love Buck Showalter. So yes. we're Buck Showalter fans here. Um, I want to get into this a little bit. Of and you mentioned the shifts too, which is interesting because, and I don't have the numbers, but I, I feel like this is true that when, with the new regime, the Orioles have shifted a lot more. Yes. Yet. Yet their defense last year was still the worst in baseball. Um, is is there? Uh, first of all, how when you talk about the Orioles' bad defense last year, can can you put this in perspective to, for us? Like how how bad are we talking about here? Like how is there hope? Is it just was it just a down year? And then how do the shifts? Like, are you telling me without the shifts we would have been even worse? Like, how much do the shifts help a bad defense? Um. All right, so let's take those one at a time here. <laughs> um, first of all, yes, it's true. The Orioles in 2019, we, we call it defensive runs saved, but when it's negative, I guess it's defensive runs cost. Negative uh, <laughs> 95, uh, that ranked 30th. I guess that's not that surprising. The infield was negative 66. The outfield was negative 29. Um, 2018, Negative 78, negative 78, that ranked 28th. Um, That's not great. No. Um, (laughs) As far as shifting goes, yes, the volume of shifting definitely uh, increased uh, dramatically in the new regime. And I think you're going to see it continue to to be a big part of what the Orioles do. But if you're going to shift, you also have to have the players that can defend in it. So for Mm -hmm. all the good positioning that you can do, if you, we we have a way to, to evaluate, are you positioning your guys well or not? Um, you can do all the positioning you want, but if you have a first baseman who's minus 10 and a second baseman who's minus 12 and a, a third baseman who can't get to a ball down the line, you're, you're not going to be a good defensive team uh, at all. You're, you're, and is there hope? Sure. The Phillies turned it around from like negative 100 and something to, to 50 plus, uh, the, you know, uh, one-year stretch going 18 to 19. So, yeah, why not? Uh, although with the personnel you have, 
it's an uphill battle. Although I will say, uh, Jose Iglesias, good acquisition. Yeah, yeah, and I like that move because um, not not only are do you now have a a, a good shortstop, but it's a huge upgrade, right? Because the guy yeah. you're replacing, Richie Martin, was clearly in over his head. Yep. Um, his rookie year, which leads me to my next question. Uh, Richie Martin struggled last year defensively and offensively. Do you see is there as far as improvement, young players as they get older, this is more like a general question. Do you are players able to take significant leaps in defensive runs saved, or are you kind of who you are as a defensive player? I like that you asked that because I believe there's an article in the book that uh, that references that. There's a defensive aging curves uh, mm-hmm. article in the book that tells you like, all right, where's the guy's peak? And I'm I'm looking at it now, and it looks like you peak. Uh, as an infielder in your mid 20s so if you're a young guy uh, there's definitely room for growth Uh, if you're a 21 22 year old guy at the major league level and in over your head uh, as a rule five pick Mm -hmm. um, there is hope Uh, as i said page 146 on the book in the book for those that that want to purchase the book uh, has a nice uh, image that shows uh, what the aging curve looks like uh, for a player uh, on the defensive side um, and I would say, yeah, I, I wouldn't rule out that he could be a lot better over the, the course of his career. Uh, he, I, I guess he doesn't have anywhere to go but up. At, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does, um, again, just look, if you look at the, the a more general question, and then I'll get into some more specific oral questions. We're improved at shortstop yep. uh, this year with Iglesias. I think we're going to be improved in center field with Austin Hayes, as opposed to last year throwing Stevie Wilkerson out there, who wasn't even a center fielder. It was kind of an awkward position for him. But now we have Austin Hayes, who presumably, I mean, he hasn't played a full year in the majors, but, but he looks to be a better outfielder. Does Especially center field and shortstop, does like, let's focus on center field. Yep. If a re- does a really good center fielder, can they make the defensive run saved stat better for a left fielder and a right fielder because that center fielder can cover more ground? I think that that's a fair comment, and we we have done a lot of stuff with ball hogging, I guess, so to speak. Uh, but if you think about it, if if he's able to go an extra five feet uh, in either direction or go deep into the left center and right center field gaps to make plays, uh, that's big. That that'll save your left fielder. That'll allow you to probably get some balls down the line that you weren't able to get. So if he's legit, yeah, center field can have a huge impact. You look at some of the center fielders. Uh, in our stat over the history of the stat, you look at like Kiermaier and the upper echelon guys. Those guys are up at 25, 30 runs saved a year in the, in the prime of their careers. Him, Byron Buxton. Can I make one other point on shortstop and Iglesias? Oh, yeah, please. Go ahead. I, I was thinking about this. There, the If you can go from bad and Richie Martin, negative 15, negative 20, to zero, Jose Iglesias, that's as good as going from like a zero to like a 20, mm. it will look better to you guys. You will probably think, wow, he's like all world <laughs> last year, uh, but it's a big jump. Like a 15 run jump is a big jump, whether it's from bad to average or average to really good. So you'll see it this year with Iglesias that they should be uh, better as long as they can get ground balls, uh, you know, that where, where you can get them. Yeah. And I think that combined with Austin Hayes, a real center fielder, I think I think that those that thirtieth ranking will 
improve drastically uh, th- this next year. I mean, we're not going to be the best defensive team in baseball, <laughs> but I, I think we'll be yeah. be better. And I asked about Austin Hayes too, because we could be looking at a situation in the outfield where we got Trey Mancini on one side and Ryan Mountcastle on the other side of the outfield, like two converted first basemen. So it could be ugly out there if we don't have at least someone who knows what they're doing in the outfield. Um, I noticed the stats on, to, to, to reference a specific player, Pedro Severino um, at catcher. Yep. I thought he was a good defensive catcher, but if you look at the numbers, apparently he is not as as good defensively as as I initially thought. And on one hand, like it doesn't he's matter because he's pretty much the same as Richie not, Martin. What's that? He's pretty much the same as Richie Martin. I, on one hand, it doesn't matter because we have um, Adley Rushman coming, and so whatever, Pedro Severino, you placeholder you. But what it, what like what does defensive run save for a catcher? Um, what does that look like? Is like pitch framing is, is, is or pitch receiving, whatever you want to call it. Is that part of it? Sure. What goes into like what makes Pedro Severino, what made him have a bad year last year? Sure. Um, this is a, a good, I, I like to do these kinds of explanations. So for catchers, what you're looking at are a whole bunch of different things. We have a pitch framing metric, which we call strike zone run saved, um, which gives you an indication as to whether or not the guy is getting extra strikes for his pitchers or not. Our pitch framing metric is somewhat different from others because we factor in the umpire and the batter, uh, which is a cool kind of extra thing to to add in. Uh, there are umpires that call bigger plates and smaller plates than other umpires. And if you have a, a catcher who has a really good framing ability with an umpire who calls a lot of strikes, boy, the pitcher strike zone is going to be gigantic mm. that day. Um, so that's one. We do pitch blocking. Uh, we actually record every pitch that's in the dirt uh, and any pitch, I think, essentially where a catcher would have to leap out to try and make a, a play. Um, and we, it's a yes or a no. Did he block the ball successfully and prevent an advance or did he not? Uh, and that's a, a part of the defensive run saved stat. We also have measures for bunts. Now, in the American League, you don't see that many bunts. Uh, so that's not going to have a high, uh, particularly high impact. We have a measure for stolen bases. Not only did you throw guys out, but what was the volume that you allowed? Um, if you allowed a high volume of stolen bases, or if you were not successful at throwing guys out, but allowed a low volume of stolen bases, it's not going to hurt your team that much. So we've got that as a, as a stat. Then we have, uh, this is a, a, a kind of a, I have a, I always have a hard time explaining this one. We have a stat where we compare each catcher with every pitcher on the team, and we essentially assess, was this pit catcher doing well with game calling? Like, did he have, let's say he Severino had 15 starts with a pitcher and someone else had 15 starts with a pitcher, and he had a 2-5 ERA with uh, one guy and a 5 ERA with the other. We factor that in. Uh, and then the last thing would be just balls hit in front of the plate. Uh, was he able to get outs on those or was he not? The things that are the most impactful are the pitch framing and the pitch blocking. Pedro Severino in both cases rated considerably below average at both hmm. of those. Uh, and that is why he finished uh, at what we have a negative 13 defensive run saved. Uh, he, I, I don't have it in front of me, but if I had to guess, I would guess that his pitch blocking was in the bottom uh, quarter of the majors, and his his pitch framing was probably in the bottom quarter as well. Yeah, that was thanks, Mark. That was a really good, clear explanation. And so all of those factors yep. give you that total defensive runs 
saved or it cost him. Yep. Well, cost. and it, and it also shows the importance of Adley Rushman to the Orioles. Yep. Because not further, much further up the list is Chancisco at minus eleven defensive run saved. Yeah, and so he's only minus eleven probably because he didn't get more playing time. By the way, he would have been worse if he played more. Right. Hey, exactly. Hey, think Mark, about it this way too. Like each yeah. of these things has has on a individual moment level a very small value but you add them up over in severino's case 720 innings it adds up and the the cream rises to the top and the other stuff rises to the bottom so right. that, that, i guess sinks to the bottom so that, how much yeah how much should we as oriole fans we all want to praise that i mean he's the face of the organization right now on the field is trey mancini and he's doing well at the plate, but defensively, we're sticking him in the outfield where it's a position he wasn't really raised to play. And he's at a minus eight total runs saved last year. Is that a concern for the Orioles or something that you end up minus eight, but then once you bring the bat into it, it makes up for it? So I, I think that's an important point. The defense, uh, defense only matters so much uh, in this. Uh, a hitter can be responsible for, I don't know, over in, within a, the concept of something like wins above replacement. A guy's going to be 50 to, you know, the prime guys are going to be 40 to 50 over. They're going to have high offensive wars. Defense is a smaller component because you only get the ball hit you so often. You can survive a minus nine, certainly, if you're a good offensive player. Um, it's Should they be concerned? I don't think you should be concerned about anything given – the state of where the team is at this point. Um, I think you just kind of live with it and hope that he learns and gets better. It's kind of like Nick Castellanos is a good example of this, that Castellanos got better in right field as the more reps that he's gotten. Um, And maybe for Mancini, a similar kind of thing can happen for him. Yeah. And I had a similar question as Josh. I have a category of questions called kind of let's get stupid. The, (laughs) where I ask kind of some, some dumb questions. So here, and I, my question about Trey Mancini. So if you look at kind of runs created, is this fair to do? If you look at runs created stat, yep. he, he, he had 114 runs created last year and he cost us nine. So can we say that he, he was plus 105? Is that a fair thing to do? Yeah. I, I, I yes. I think you have to take <laughs> uh, like base running into account too. Uh, but also uh, how much he played and there's a certain, the value of having him over a guy that you would have called up from triple a. So yeah, when, when we were, we were talking about just before defense is only worth so much, uh, a guy who is a very good hitter uh, and, and can make a significant impact like Derek Jeter, Derek Jeter by our system rates very poorly statistically at shortstop, but look at what he was as a hitter and look at what he was, uh, what he, what else he brought to the Yankees in terms of leadership. Uh, I think that, uh, as I said, now, that said, a great defensive player can have a huge impact, like a Matt Chapman or an Arenado or a Kiermaier or someone like that. Those are guys that can help turn franchises in a pretty good direction. So it would behoove the Orioles to get a player or two like that. Yeah, well, we had one, uh, Manny Machado, and then we lost him. Um, thanks for bringing that up. Sorry. So, <laughs> even, even even a guy like Jonathan Scope, who was setting defensive records at sure. second base, sure. lost him also. Yeah. Let, let me ask one more kind of um, kind of a similar question with runs created. And so if you take out like Richie Martin, yep. let's use the other extreme, 24 runs created, the negative 12, whatever. 
um, to defensive runs. So you're telling me this guy played, you know, whatever, 100, 120 games or whatever he played, and he accounted for 12 runs the entire season? <laughs> I hate to, <laughs> is, that, is that how that I mean, works? I hate to break it to you. He shouldn't have been in the in the major leagues. <laughs> there, he's there as a rule. <clears throat> sorry, he's there as a rule five, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I think. And he, don't go back to AAA this year. I don't mean to pick on Richie Martin because right. he was in Orlando. No, and but I that think, is the fun of the Orioles last year and this year is when they don't care about wins or losses. You yeah, get some you, you stats get like this. Yeah. Your hope is that two years from now he comes back and the negative fourteen is a zero. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um. I mentioned Manny Machado. Can we talk about Manny Machado for for, for a second? Yeah, he, I know he's not an Oriole, but um, I love. You can't get over him. Yeah, you can't get over him. I, know. I can't get over him. Here's one thing I didn't understand though about his defensive runs saved for Manny Machado. Looking at shortstop compared to third base, because he's the one guy or one of the guys where my eyeballs would say even at shortstop he's elite, but his defensive run saved at shortstop is is much worse than, than it is at third base. How, 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 why the difference between shortstop and third base for Manny Machado, do you think? Um, well, we have a way to break uh, the, the stat into its component parts, uh, which for us means how good was he at getting balls moving to his right? How good was he at getting balls that were hit to his left? And how good was he at getting to balls straight up? And from what I can see, and I'm, I'm looking at the component parts, for Machado, 2018, when he played shortstop, he was negative 13 which I think goes to your, it's kind of yeah. hard to fathom for a guy that was 27 runs saved in 2013, who you watched over and over again, make fantastic play over fantastic play after fantastic play. The issue that it appears that he had was getting to balls up the middle, that there were an inordinate number of hits. I, my guess is they would be ground balls essentially over second base or just off uh, a little bit off of second base that he wasn't getting to. That's actually a similar uh, issue to what uh, I, uh, to a number of other really good shortstops because they kind of cheat toward the shortstop third base hole, which he may have been doing. Um, but our stats do reflect uh, like positioning is taken out. So that's legit. Uh, now, again, with defensive stats, you do want to accumulate a good body of work over an extended period of time. And Machado, before that, the year before, uh, the two years before, 2016, he had five defensive runs saved at shortstop. So he was clearly doing something right at that time. Um, He also, I would say, he hasn't been the same uh, the last couple of years. And I don't know if that's, um, like, there was a time where he's like an all-world, and now at third base, he's just kind of like, good. And he wasn't the hitter that he was last year either. Not yeah. as I said, I don't know what was necessarily going on there. Uh, but um, yeah, it could just be part of a, a an issue of skills uh, for him. Although it shouldn't be given given his age. And um, maybe you'll see a turnaround this year with the Padres. Yeah, yeah, it's just just interesting. And I, and like because with the Padres, and I don't watch him every day as closely. So I, especially Padres, 10, 10 o'clock Eastern time. I can't stay up for that nonsense. Um, the, as far as the minors go for, because right now the Orioles are focused on the rebuild. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not going to ask about my, my, my league players, but as far as defensive runs state saved and the kind of the stats available at the minor league level are all the same data that you have at the major league, uh, level available at the minor league level for teams. 
Uh, like, yes, uh, they are. We don't we don't often share them publicly. Uh, we track AAA and AA, and we've um, we've up to to cover uh, some high A as well. Uh, high A as well. We don't um, necessarily get every game, but we get a large enough sample uh, that I think you feel like you could at least try to make a judgment. Uh, the one that I always point to with defensive runs saved for the minor leagues is that we were on Matt Chapman before Matt Chapman was Matt Chapman. Mm. Um, he had really good numbers uh, at the minor league level. The other guy that we were high on recently was Scott Kingry with the Phillies. That ha- that one hasn't necessarily worked out as well for us, but we still have faith in him. Um, but yes, the, for teams, as I said before, we serve uh, more than 20 teams with data. Uh, there are teams that subscribe to that and that use that in their evaluations of players. Are the Orioles one of one of those teams? Are you allowed to say that? <laughs> uh, I don't get into specifics. <laughs> okay. who's, a, who's a yes and who's no? Sorry. Yeah, and that's okay. Just kind of another kind of inside baseball question, yeah. if I may, and and you and you don't have to answer these questions. I'm just asking. The so you guys so they they kind of like contract you out, um, but so they're kind of dealing with the same data that the other twenty teams are, are dealing with. If they don't go to you. Do they do it within, like, as a team? Do you think they have a department that does this? Or do they contract it out with somebody else if they don't go to you? Yeah, there are a number of other companies that do this okay. sort of thing. Um, we go back to 2003, uh, which uh, I think gives us a pretty good track record. Uh, nothing against the other places that uh, that do stuff. These teams are also getting a lot from StatCast, uh, certainly. And right. the new technologies like the TrackMan and... Um, things like Kinetrax and all the different, uh, I guess, um, body biomechanical uh, evaluation tools that now exist that go beyond uh, what we do that allow you to change pitches or um, or change your swing to become a more productive player. Uh, but I would say every team's analytics department is pretty sophisticated at this point uh, because I think those that were behind uh, realized that they had to play catch up. Right. Yeah. So as you're we have, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, we, we've got at least three people now in for the Orioles that oh, do stop analytics. It. We got a department now. We didn't have that before. <laughs> I would, we had a department. It was a one person. You, you, they hired good people. They hired yeah. people with, or I should say, they hired people with very good track records. So, because um, I, don't, I don't necessarily know the people. They hired people <laughs> with very good track records in this area uh, and starting essentially with the general manager. Um, and they're going to, they realize that it's going to take three, four years of this to yeah. get to essentially that. Right. Yeah. Are you seeing fans as well more interested in these stats and it's changing the way kind of how fans are uh, watching baseball, how TV is broadcasting baseball? Uh, someone was telling me today that it's even creeping into fantasy baseball, these type oh, of stats. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in our uh, last two years, our Twitter has gone from 3,000 to 13,000, uh, or I think 17,000 in terms of followers. So, yeah, I, th- I think people are very much interested in this type of uh, information. ESPN um, works with StatCast and does a couple of broadcasts a year uh, on ESPN2 that, that are kind of running simultaneous to the actual game. They've done it for the playoffs uh, the last couple of years where they have Eduardo Perez, they have Jason Benetti, who's the White Sox announcer, and they have Mike Petriello from MLB, and they do an entire broadcast of the wildcard game uh, yeah. focused on analytics, and it's an excellent broadcast. That's and I'm cool. biased. I, work, I used to work there. I, used, I know those people. 
Um, and I, I, I am impressed with how far it's come at that level. Uh, we actually provide a service too to a couple of different broadcast crews where I write uh, notes um, for them, like uh, paragraph chunks that maybe they'll get like 10 of them for a game and they'll say them on the air and they'll bring them up and they'll use them as discussion points. So I think it's, it's very much uh, becoming a part of the mainstream these days. Yeah, so so when we see people this uh, year talk about Hanser Alberto and how he handled the double play last year, <laughs> that's coming from you. Yes. Do we, do we want to quote that stat? Yeah. Can, can you talk about that? About that Hanser Alberto stat with turning double plays? All right. So I want to preface this. This stat probably sounds a little better than it is. Hanser Alberto last year uh, converted – 62 of 72 double play opportunities as a second baseman. The highest conversion rate for any second baseman in the time for which we have tracked the data, which is since 2003. That sounds good. Good for him that he was able to do that when it happened. Two things with that. One, there must have been a lot of guys on base. Uh, (laughs) And two, it only is considering balls that he got to or was the real A-man. So Hunter Alberto could have missed a ball, and it's not factored into that. This is only you had the shot at the double play. It was in your grasp. Did you get it? And in Hunter Alberto's case, much more often than not, like a good free throw shooter, uh, he was able to convert. Uh, and good for him. Impressive. Yeah, that right, is so impressive. Then, Go ahead, Josh. So that would also take into account the first baseman and if he can grab the ball. Right. Oh, absolutely. So, so a guy that can drop, uh, which might – you know, when we when we just want to trash Chris Davis all the time, maybe it's something we can look at because we do see Jonathan Scope on the list of highest ever, and then this year Hanser Alberto. Well, so, and the funny thing about Hanser Alberto is offensively too, his hitting against lefties also was like this is insane. Like this shouldn't he shouldn't be hitting three ninety against against any? I don't care what arm you're throwing with. He shouldn't be hitting three ninety, but somehow he seemed to always swing it when the first two pitches and get a hit. And so it makes sense that somehow he's always in the right spot, the right time to turn these double plays. So just it's going, just it's it's more in this kind of banner year for Hanser Alberto. He's interesting though defensively because this year they're talking about putting him at second, at short, at third, whatever. Um, is he is Hanser Alberto? He, is he a good defensive player? Well, um, he's better than a lot of, <laughs> of the other guys that you've had. Um, yeah. He finished with two defensive runs saved at second base in 2019. And, and turning those double plays is part of that. Is yes. part of that that equation? Yeah. So, um, so I should I should note for the converting 62 of 72, he got five runs saved uh, related to double plays. So okay. he was generally above average there. I guess the problem is though that he went from five good yeah. to two. So. Yes. The rest of his game, not as good. But again, and as, as I said this before I, I came on, this this was going to be the toughest one to do because there's not a lot of positive there. Um, yeah. Yeah, he was below average, um, but not horrible. But not, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, it, it could have been worse. Uh, yeah, that's good. I guess I guess that encouraged. I don't know. I guess, I mean, the, the encouraging thing here is that these are all, for the most part, placeholders. Um, and in our minors, it seems like we have – better defensive players in our minors that would be coming up to replace these placeholders. I mean, these are guys that we literally last year, Hans Arberto, we picked off waivers, I think three times before he finally stuck, <laughs> right? These are 
our placeholders. Um, I wanted to get to one other one other thing here. Um, I, I just wanted this real quick. Josh, uh, he sidetracked the conversation, asked about Trey Mancini. We were talking about catching. Um, so Josh ruined my interview again. Yeah, because, uh, right. No, just, right. Trey Mancini as, as, as a catcher, goes, it's not going to work. Um, Mark, what are your thoughts on – because you mentioned part of that is pitch framing where you get defensive runs saved for catchers. Yep. What are your thoughts on robot umps and how that might impact – um, the importance of catchers. All right. So it's going to, it is essentially going to knock that part of the equation out, which is going to hurt the guys that are elite. And, the, and also it's going to help the guys that are really poor, uh, but it's going to hurt uh, Austin Hedges in San Diego, uh, which who is someone that maybe you might not get to see uh, as much. Or Roberto Perez in Cleveland is another, uh, is a good example. Yeah, sure. Not someone that you would get to see. Um, I think the impact on the game is very much wait and see. And I think what will be interesting is that there will be a lot of unexpected strikes. Uh, and I'm talking hundreds and hundreds uh, over the course of a season that there will be um, because everyone's uh, like you've, you've, everyone's eye is so trained as to what the umpire strike zones typically are that if you go by the letter of the law and what the robot box shows you, uh, you're going to get some calls where batters are probably going to be annoyed and pitchers are probably going to be annoyed. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think you're going to see it both ways. But it will take that aspect out of the game. It will probably cost some guys some jobs. Are, are you a fan? Do, do you think baseball should head in that direction? <sighs> I I would uh, – all right. Um, I guess separate personal from company because I don't know where the, what the company Yeah, is. I'm sorry. This is going a little off track, but no, I was just, just curious about your opinion. Personally – I worry that the technology for now could have glitches, but I, we have a good relationship with Major League Baseball and BAM and all right, put, put our faith in them. Um, I just worry that at a really important spot that it could be as fallible as a human umpire, even though that that's not the, uninten- the intended situation. I hope that it isn't. I hope that it works out well. Um, I don't know, though. I, I As I said, uh, speaking fan as opposed to necessarily i guess company yeah i think that i think people should be like very much kind of throw up your hands and say i don't know yeah yeah i think because you're right it's a good point right because we often bring technology into sports to make it more objective but it never really does like (laughs) there's always debate surrounding that technology like it's never that simple that cut and dry yep that's a good point um all right well uh mark we appreciate you spending some time is there anything um, that we didn't touch on as far as the Orioles go that you wanted to say about an individual player, about the team as a whole? Uh, n- not really. Can I give another plug for our uh, website and Twitter? Yeah. And oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, uh, follow my, Mark on Twitter, Mark A. Simon Says. Check out thefieldandbible.com because I've been playing on that. You can click on Orioles and you can get see really how bad the Orioles are. <laughs> um it's That's a very – it's a great website to really look and uh, help you understand where your misery has came from the past couple of years. The numbers are also available on Fangraphs and Baseball Reference if those are your okay. sites. All right. And then get the Field and Bible Volume 5, which is available now. And according to Mark Simon's Twitter, if you buy it, he will write you a poem about your favorite player. <laughs> yeah. So what player are you going to make him write a poem about, Matt? Oh, <laughs> You better find something that rhymes Adley Rushman. Okay, that's <laughs> we have a Chris Hoyles or a um, let's see, classic Orioles like a Scott McGregor or a, a uh, 
Nah, see, so you're going with easy ones. It's easy to rhyme something with Ripken. Let, let's find something that you can rhyme with Rushman. Yeah, no, there's there's a rich history of Orioles baseball. Right? There's a lot of classic names uh, that, that 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 we could throw out there. And you mentioned right. Chris Orioles. Uh, yeah, well, we go with Mike Devereaux uh, out there in center yeah. field, back a real yeah. set center fielder. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I'll stay away from any Jeffrey Mayer references. Oh my, yeah, yeah. That's an awkward way to end about, the interview. Yeah, Tony Tarasco sitting there still waiting for it. Right, right, Long exactly. Let's, let's go with the Tarasco poem. Yeah, yeah. Josh, when we do the final cuts for the for the podcast, can you cut that part out when you mention Josh? Yeah, I know, now, now it's all awkward. All right, Mark. Yeah, it's one thing to talk about how bad we are defensively, all right? But that's, uh, we don't need to get in judgment. Yeah. That's, that's too far. Right. <laughs> all right, Mark, thanks for joining us on Section 336, and uh, we'll talk again soon. You got yeah, it. Yeah, it's thanks. fun, man. All right, so Matt, did 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 Mark convince you that like all this fielding stuff is? Have you gone to defensivebible.com uh, and looked at any of this stuff? Yeah, yeah. Like, and yeah. I, 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 I think defensive runs is one of those stats where sometimes the up and down nature of it makes me a little bit nervous. But like he said, it's over what you do over the course of the year, and I think, I mean, we ranked 30th last year in defensive runs saved, and I, I yeah. mentioned this on there with with the interview. I do think just the addition of Iglesias and uh, Austin Hayes up the middle for us, and eventually when Rushman gets up there, that up the middle will, will be strong. So I think we're going to be I, – I predict if I was a betting man, I would say we'd get into, uh, you know, maybe maybe 22nd, 21st. I would hope. defensive run saved. I would hope because if you if you go on uh, fieldandbible.com and look, the Orioles did not have many people that were even positive. Yeah, yeah, I think we had maybe Santander, which is I like good for him for Santander getting on the on the positive list. Uh, yeah, maybe one other guy. Uh, I think Hans Alberto was was positive. Yeah, um, a lot yeah. of a lot of zeros and a lot of uh, a lot of negative. Even worse, a lot of a lot of negative. Yeah, a lot and, of and the best teams, if you look at the rankings as far as Major League Baseball, the best teams have good defenses, and the worst teams uh, have the worst defenses. That's kind of how it works. Yeah. So, um, speaking about defenses, what's happened to the Terps? What, what, what are you, a Terps podcast I, now? No, I'm just asking you. I know you watch the Terps. We text about the Terps. Yeah. Do you think, do you think they're going to do anything in, in, uh, with all this? Or do you think I, they're done? I think there's no way well, to know. Who else has been away in a row? I think every game, I feel like, is a coin flip. I have no idea. I mean, there's no shame in losing to a, uh, you know, an Izzo – a Michigan State team at the end of February, beginning of March. Like, there's no shame in losing that game because um, Izzo, you know, always coaches his guys up. Um, uh, Turgeon makes me nervous. He always made me nervous. But I think we have two of the best basketball players out there in Jalen Smith and Cowan. So I think um, – I mean, but it's been – it's one of those leagues of college basketball where we see top five teams, top ten teams lose every single week. So it's right. going to be kind of a wide open to- tournament. So I'm pumped in a couple of weeks to do my reading of the tournament bracket on here. Exactly, and, and I'll have Maryland going pretty far. Uh, I so mean, I'm optimistic about the team. It's going to have to be. I mean, this is the last week of regular season college basketball. When's the Big Ten tournament? Is that next week? Yeah, I think next week, March 11th. All right, yeah, next Wednesday. I mean, they're going to have to do pretty good there to get a good placement when you do your reading. But did you see this story from the National College Players Association? 
where they're asking the NCAA to hold upcoming March Madness tournament games without fans to protect the athletes from contracting and spreading the coronavirus. Now, we already saw that baseball games in Japan are going to play be played without fans because of the coronavirus. Oh, I didn't know that because all, all I heard was the Olympics will still go on. Um, but is that – I didn't know that they're, they're not playing – they're playing games without fans in Japan right now? That's what someone – that's what – yeah. I think that – I think Dad was telling me that. Okay. So now now we're seeing this suggestion. I don't know. How are – how's like your school and all handling the coronavirus? It seems like news agencies love the coronavirus because it's a huge story that they can keep talking and hype people up kind of like a snowstorm. But how's yeah, like your school and stuff handling it? Yeah, I guess it's one of those things, too, where people react to snowstorms differently, right? Like some people go to the grocery store, running around the aisles, you know, filling their car with Mountain Dew and toilet paper. Have you, um, have you talked to Robin in Hawaii? They've no. got a big thing where people are hoarding toilet paper in Hawaii right now. Oh, really? Yeah, so you can't find toilet paper at the store. Okay, I can tell her some nice plants that can use when you can't find toilet paper. I've been there. But, no, I'm, I'm not as – I mean – I, I mean, I think it's good to be cautious, right? Because I think the thing is, you, you don't know. And it's weird that they would say that now when you don't know where we're going to be with this, with in three this weeks. whole thing in three weeks. Because yeah. it seems to be updates every day, right? And and it could, like, I mean, I think everyone now is kind of a wait and see mode and just hope it doesn't spread any more that, than it has. Right. But kind of also being aware that it could, an outbreak could happen like it's happened in these other countries. Um, but no, there's been no talk about like shutting school down or anything like that. Um, I think there hasn't been enough cases, I think, to really warrant right. know, that discussion. But does Maryland, who does knows? Maryland have any cases yet? Florida uh, just I, had their second, I believe. I, I, I heard of one case, but I'm, and again, I'm not sure how reliable that was, though. It's just someone said right. it. I don't, I don't know. I haven't checked up on it. Gotcha. Uh, I did this week book my flight to fly home with Southwest for opening day. So you better hope their fans don't. So huh. hopefully, uh, hopefully they allow us to go to the game for opening day, and hopefully the, the flight and all is good. Yeah. And all that. Are so, you nervous about taking the flight? No, I don't Because that's care. like, a, you know. It's not a cruise ship. It's recycled a cruise ship, air. A cruise yeah. ship is a death wish right yeah, now, I think. No, I stay away from the so, cruise ships. But, Even uh, planes, though, would make me a little bit nervous. I don't care. I'm not the the you know what the regular flu makes me more nervous uh, right. than than the coronavirus. Right. Even if it has a, di- a higher death rate than the regular flu. Yeah, it's got a higher death rate, but it's also got a higher percentage of you might have it and not even show symptoms. Right. Whatever that means, I don't know. Who knows? I'm no doctor. I I don't believe China and whatever they say. So I'll just wait until we have some better stats here in America, and then we can figure it all out. Yeah. Mike Pence is on it. Don't worry. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. That's all right, because we got a doctor in the White House. Ben Carson's fixing, like, the housing issue or something. Yeah, just call him over. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, this is great, Josh. We've talked about not only did we do something we don't normally do, we kind of got here talk about defensive runs saved and the a- analytics, but we also talked about Bernie Sanders, Klobuchar. That's right. Um, Mike Pence. This is the most politics we've t- talk we've done on here um, forever. Are you playing? Have you been playing the music? Because again, I hear you nothing. Did. I just started it, and I figured out why you're not hearing it. Why is that? But yeah, it's playing right now, so you, you can uh, close the show out with our. We, I think we got our fill of political talk. All right, you can follow us for more of my political hot takes at section three three six. You can also follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Hiroka. 
And you can tweet at Bert on at Bert Rohde. Yeah, go ahead, at Bert Rohde, and send him a nice little tweet. Nice little tweet. Oh, uh, follow, uh, hold on, I should have been more prepared with this. But I want to thank our new artwork is done by Clubhouse Art. So follow, give Clubhouse Art on Twitter a follow. He, he did great work. Uh, yeah, not just artwork, other of, stuff, other uh, stuff like oral players. He does it. He's he's talented. Yeah, the whole reason I got to know him is because he does awesome photos of drawings of Orioles and Raven players. That basically, like, it's I don't know why this is not Adley Rushman's profile picture on Twitter. It should be. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead and give him a follow too. Yeah. Right. Give everyone a follow. All right. Thanks for listening, boys and girls. And as always, go O's. Hey guys, have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app, and then it makes sure it goes out to iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. It, they take care of everything, distribution, they help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. This week at Macy's, find Valentine's Day gifts for all your loves, like fragrance gift sets they'll adore. Plus, take an extra 15% off with your coupon or Macy's card. On top of beautiful jewelry finds, now 35 to 70% off. And 25% off decadent chocolate from Godiva. Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift card services and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.